and we're live rank rat report podcast we were really hoping tonight for there to be a stanley cup champion but uh alas i guess we gotta wait a little bit not saying that we have to wait till after game five could be game six who knows maybe the maybe tampa bay's mayor cursed them a little bit but uh, as always joined by josh and jason here tonight let's go josh anderson we love josh anderson he's our favorite player Makes five and a half million dollars for the next six years. Yay! And he can't pass the puck. <laughs> but what's a toss? He can pass it to himself. Pretty much. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good. All that matters. He can try and pass it on the net and hope it bounces off a goalie. But I guess that's a, called a shot, right? Yeah, it's a that's shot. still technically a shot, a shot, not a pass. But I mean, it works for him. What do I know? I clearly don't know anything. What do we so. know? <laughs> I mean, like the funny thing, you, 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 you make comments about the way that he plays his style of play and nine out of t- every 10 games, you're going to be right. You're, you're going to look like a genius. And then uh, that 10th game though, he's going to put two in the head. It seems that like, seems exactly what's happened this playoffs. Actually, like, he has three games with goals yeah. and uh, you know, he has five total now. So he doesn't even really points. play. That's the other thing people, he played 13 minutes tonight because what are you going to play him to do? I don't know. He seemed, uh, is he a shutdown player? Apparently, power play specialist? he's an all-around stud. He's a horse. <laughs> they say he's six, a horse. He's six three. Well, he's, That's about it. He's also he's big, secretary. Right? He's a horse. He's big and he's fast. He's a I'll horse. He's that. like ninth on their forwards and ice time. He's a horse. <laughs> no, but it was he's a good built, goal. Built for the playoffs. I'm uh, happy for Habs fans. You know, in the building, paid a heavy price to go to that game. I'm sure would have sucked to lose in overtime. That's like that would have been oh, tough. Yeah. Any of the fans outside, and everyone's having a good time there. Good for them. Like, I'm happy that they get get at least one win. Like, getting swept in the finals is kind of a tough pill to swallow. At least you have that little dopamine rush from post one game. Like, one win, I'm saying. Like, yeah. At least you get one, Yeah. right? I don't know how many more they're going to get, but. That's true. We'll see. I picked them in seven, so I'm still alive. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> I said six, actually. So okay. I said five. So we're all there still we alive. Wow. That's good. Well, yeah, because we kept getting burned by saying Montreal's going to get just shit canned, and then which they kind of did tonight. Actually, they got absolutely pumped, in my yeah. opinion. Oh yeah, that's the small thing. Before we get into, that, I'm gonna, I just, I, I can't wait to see the takes tomorrow about how the line changed, the line shuffling did so much for oh the team, God. the scratches. Like this is, this was by far their worst game by the, far of, the, of the of the series. Like it's not even, it's not even the worst game of the playoffs, honestly. No, I don't know about that. They played it. Pretty the poor. The Leafs smoked them pretty bad a couple times. Yeah, maybe maybe game two or three was their worst. But this is this is up there with one of their worst. This was not not a good performance. And I think the like the eye my eye test it agrees with the the stats. Like this is their their worst expected goals performance by far in this series so far. So oh yeah, but what was crazy to me was you're down three zero backs against the wall at home. You got this passionate fan base, and they came out. And the shots were 10 to 1 halfway through the first period. They got a little bit more life. They got back into the game a little bit, but then Tampa started stomping them again. But, like, to me, that was just a little bit. Uh, if I was a Montreal fan, I would have I would have been sweating oh, yeah. after that start to that game. So, but, uh, really, the big change that I saw was that, you know, they moved Anderson up with Suzuki and Caulfield, right? Mm-hmm. They scored in the first period, so it's hard to say that it was a, a poor move. The overtime goal was kind of like a jumbled line change. There's a bunch of guys on the ice. But, like, that was a f- pure Nick Suzuki play. Yeah. Picks off the pass, forehand, backhand, pass to the front of the net. 
Backhand sauce. Yeah, it was a great pass. Josh Anderson just fired into the back of that. Good. Good finish. Their line got smoked the entire game. They got absolutely smoked. Mm. They had six shot attempts in three periods, and they had 20 against. In addition to that, the Jason pointed this out, actually. The goal they scored was against the Tampa fourth line. Yeah. It was, If you look, it's a pretty poor defensive play by both Patty Maroon and Matthew Joseph, which is pretty ironic because those two guys, again, on against the Anderson-Suzuki-Caulfield line, just due to the, the – if that was when there was three guys off for both teams in the box, I mean, they, they tied the game up. Great pass from Matthew Joseph to Maroon. So they redeemed themselves. But, yeah, I just – that – Line change, I mean, in practice, it worked because they won, whatever. That's not really how we look at things. Like, they did not play well at all. Yeah. No, that, that line didn't look good. I, I think, like like you said, that that was that goal was more Suzuki than anyone. As, as long as there's a right-handed shot there, mm-hmm. that's all Josh Anderson kind of did was be a right-handed shot in the oh, slot, and he scored. It's a good finish. I'm it a was, good goaltender. <laughs> you got to give him that part. I, I, I mean, he did. Like, it was a good move by Suzuki putting it into completely open space, and he did have a lot of net to shoot at. He kind of shot in the middle of the net, yeah. actually. Like, it's not like he did, like, it, it, most, most NHLers should be able to score that goal. Especially a yeah. right-handed shot at that angle. It's, uh, I'm yeah. watching it right now. Let's see where he... Yeah, middle it's, of the net. He gets it up, though. He does, but... Yeah, decent positioning. Maybe Zach Hyman wouldn't know. score that. Oh, I got a sack. <laughs> right. That's true. Zach Hyman, 90% of the Leafs, we'll just say, in the playoffs. Um, on top of this, though, but yeah, I do agree. Uh-huh. Like 90% of that goal is Nick Suzuki. That's a great move around David Savard there. The sauce to get it over David Savard's stick there and just tape the tape and Josh Anderson there was just its a spectacle. He's a great player. But, um, yeah, uh, Josh, piggybacking off what you were saying, the expected goals being 11% for that line is um, is tough. But, you know, there was a bad change from Tampa Bay. So bad so that they had, like, they had six guys on the ice at one point yeah. there, and they were very jumbled. And then, obviously, Montreal takes advantage of a, a poor defensive laps from Tampa Bay there. But um overall I gotta say this game was boring. Yeah. I almost felt the, the best stretch was when after the entire energy line for Tampa and two defensemen and a four for Montreal got those p- offsetting three minors each. Mm-hmm. That like little six minute stretch there was the best hockey of the game by a mile. Wasn't even close. We had two goals, one from Montreal, one from Tampa in that time. Other than that, it was a weird game, too, because it felt like Montreal made a con- like concerned effort to come out and be more aggressive. But I thought that really backfired on them because they gave up five power plays to the best power play in the league. It, they really played with fire this game. And most of them were, like, I would say pretty deserving penalties. There were some that weren't called tonight that were definitely penalties that I saw. Like, they don't call cross-checks anymore. That's just not called. And that's on both ends. Like, that's on, not just, They yeah, just yeah. straight up don't call cross-checks. No, but it's we talked about it earlier. It was Montreal's penalty kill versus Tampa's power play. Well, Montreal's penalty kill won, and maybe a little help from the post. But still, hey, you, they had five power plays. They didn't score. How many but, posts was it total? Tonight? Three posts, four, I think. No, I with the Kucherov remember. at the end, I and think. and one of them did tip off Price. We made yeah, like a, he made a great the other two were bang right off the post that I saw. Oh, so yeah. the most damning one to me was. Uh, Kucherov coming out from behind the net, yep. sneaking out from behind the net, 
And then McDonough to Kucherov just straight wow. off the post. Like, how about Ryan McDonough yeah, and that wow. pass he made on on Barkley Goudreau's goal that too? That was nasty. Was a nasty I'm pretty sure he also made a defensive play on the on that like he did on the so original like the play of the right play after before, yeah. right after the first goal. The puck came around. It was like a odd man rush, and he was able to block it like almost like. It was weird because he didn't like get down on one knee and block it with his knee. He kind of like stayed up and kicked at it. Huh. But whatever works, it right? Works, that yeah. guy's a horse. He's a <laughs> defensive menace, but he's also got some offensive prowess to him. I mean, I didn't look it up, but he's in his career, he's gotten 35, 40 points oh, before. Yeah. He's like, a Muzzin type. That's what I compare him to. He's very much like a Jake Muzzin. Yeah. I'd say almost a step up offensively. Yeah. I think, I think he's just a little. He's a little more been a little. He's been hurt too, but lately mm-hmm. a little more durable. That's a guy so. though that can play hurt. Yeah, exactly. Like he drag him and Lungfist, more so Lungfist, but he helped to drag that uh, New York Rangers team, the 2014 one that went to the finals and lost, like on a oh, broken yeah. foot. Oh yeah, he was on a broken foot and he dragged that team there. Uh, like, he made Mark Stahl look pretty good for a lot, oh, yeah. a long time. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Um, we haven't even gotten it to, let's get into game three thoughts. what did you guys think about that game? I was honestly, that game felt like it was over before it even started. Tampa scored what? Two in the first four minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second one was like a little bit of a softy by price, right? Like slips right through Hedman's wickets as they say it's coming oh, yeah. home. But yeah, that game felt like it was over. Honestly, T- Montreal did get that one to make it two one, but then they gave up a two on all right after and Kucherov makes it three one. And then at that point it's like, how are you coming back from that? Oh, yeah. When you look at the flow of the game, I thought it was pretty interesting. Again, Montreal on home ice. Terrible Stanley start. Cup playoffs. The flow of just looking at the flow of the game, not even like an analysis of the gameplay, the flow of it. You give up too quick. You're uh, like, okay, you're getting stomped a bit, but then you get one back. And then at the end of the period, you actually get a good chance and don't capitalize on it. But you finish the period. You got some momentum. You're only down by one. And then what happens? You give up another two. And then it's just like 4-1 at that point. You get one at, like later in the period as well. Okay, third period, maybe a miracle push. And then nope. nothing. It was can, just like it's very strange to me. Can I say something? You pointed this out three podcasts ago, and I've been thinking about it since because I said, you know, Vegas going back home against Montreal, they'll get that boost from that home ice advantage. And you said, I don't think the home ice advantage, like there's obviously no way for you to quantify that, which you said then too. It's like the home ice advantage is more valuable when it's a close game at the end than right at the start. And honestly, I completely agree with you looking yeah. back. Like I spe- this, these last two games are a great example of that. Like to start either of these games, Montreal looked terrible. Honestly, even though they went up one, nothing this game, they were not the better team to start. No. But man, at that overtime, after they killed that penalty, the barn was rocking. And they got a goal right after. Again, I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but. Thank God I got you here. I forgot I said that you one. You did say that, yeah. <laughs> but I did And you were that. right in the Vegas series because Vegas lost that game, then mm-hmm. lost the yep. next one in Montreal. And, th- I mean, looks like you're right again. Damn. All right. All right. Say a lot of things on these podcasts. You got to remember the good ones that we're uh, <laughs> to bring up later there. I thought it was also interesting in regards to game three. Vasilevsky was terrible. Those three goals, I think all three goals from Montreal were not very good. They were stoppable goals. Like, that's a gift. Andre Vasilevsky is one of the best goalies on the planet, and he gives you three muffins, and you, the defensive juggernaut uh, Montreal Canadiens, almost said Toronto Maple Leafs because... That's what I'm always thinking about. But the defensive juggernaut uh, Montreal Canadiens gave up 
six total in that game, but five on Carey Price. And, like, it was just, like, so many defensive lapses, I felt like. I, mean, I don't know. Like, they're trying to play a more aggressive strategy with their D, but, like, when you got certain guys jumping up, is it really a benefit up there versus more of a a, a negative, I want to say? Like, is Yoel Edmondson up in the play really going to do you any good? <laughs> like, even other guys up there. Like, it, it, I, I just thought, I don't know. Bold move, Cotton. We'll see how that plays out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair. I, I I don't know. Like they, may, maybe the idea is that they're not really generating that much, so they want to try and generate more. So maybe activate that that D. But they're not like high skilled. Like or a counterpoint, yeah. you can play your best offensive player. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who's been in the press box? Yeah, that's. I don't know. <laughs> that's weird because remember we were talking about in the the intro or the. The pre the preview for this series, we were talking about if Tatar is going to play. We were all convinced that Tatar was going to play when um, no chance. Ar- was it Ar- I know Armia he has no was chance out. of playing. He's no. literally it's insane. Not play. He's in the doghouse. He's like he's absolutely in the doghouse. I, 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 I have no idea what he did to Ducharme. If it's his like, I don't know. But what I, was interesting going back to the Leafs series? Do you remember after Game One or even in the preview where we're like, if the Leafs are going to need a little bit more um, finish and a little bit more talent up front. And you're going to have to sacrifice that defense a little bit. You're going to put Galchenyuk in. I feel like Montreal was in that same sort of space after game one, even game two, yeah. game three. And they still haven't put Philip Deneau in. Like, the notion that he's bad defensively to me is also, it's it's not accurate, I don't think. I don't know. Like, maybe he didn't play as well as you expected in the Toronto series. But, like, you have a full body of work over this past season to look from as well. Like... It's just a, it's confusing to me why they're not playing yeah, you, him. And you, then they pull Kakinyemi tonight. Like, that's a great know. point. I just want to make sure everyone knows that was Tatar, not to know, because you did slip up there for a sec. Um, yeah, Tatar is. Oh, I did. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little late. Tatar is, is he's good. Like the off the the stats nerds love him. They, they he's not a, like, according to the stats nerds, the analytics guys, he's not that big of a liability on defense either. Like he's a good two way transition player who can get points, and that's like. Kind of what Montreal needs, like, and again, like we said at the beginning, they're probably gonna like Ducharme is probably gonna get praised for what he's done with the lines, but in reality, I don't think it's it doesn't seem like a long term fix. When I say long term, I mean over the next three games. Like, it's not. I don't know if this is a solution that is. You, I don't know if this is an experiment where you can repeat the outcome and the same thing is gonna happen again. Well, I mean, look at it. He was like pretty firm on not playing Romanov it seemed like yeah. for several games and what happened you put Romanov in the lineup this time what happened scored I think scored. it worked out pretty damn yeah. well <laughs> I yeah. don't know seven so, seconds into a shift scored I don't know maybe play the other guy that you were refusing to play see how that one works out for you yeah. I feel like the moment they put him in he would score maybe yeah. 100% but I don't know the other thing about all these moves it's like what what is Kotkaniemi for them I don't know. I really don't know. The yeah. Like if like I love I Jake Evans. Again, shout out St. Mike, so I was in the same class as him. If he if your seventh rounder who played college is like preferred in a Stanley Cup final over your top five pick on the last year of his entry level, like something's a little off here. I don't know what it is. Like even if Kakiami's been terrible the first three games, which I do not think he has been terrible. 
it's just seems like wow, like wow. It's like a little shocking. And it's not even like they're picking. I saw this on Twitter, like, and like some Habs fans almost complain about it. It's not even like they're picking Evans over Kotkaniemi. They're picking Eric Stahl, who kind of hasn't really been that good over Kotkaniemi. It's not just like one. There's other players who could potentially dry out, and Kotkaniemi, who should probably stand because I don't think he's their third. Like I think he's better than their thirteenth best forward. And when you take him out of the lineup, you are saying. Basically, he, you think of him as your 12th or 13th best forward. And I, I just think he's better than that. At least, I don't know. I, I'd, say I'm an, I'd say we're all pretty unbiased on Montreal. We're probably too harsh in on In my opinion, if you took the three guys they have out right now, Jonathan Drew, who's out for different reasons, like hopefully he gets back yeah, and, and he's, good. He's but I'm just saying, hypothetically, Druin, Kotkaniemi, and Tatar. You could argue that'd be their second or third best yeah. line. Like, yeah, probably. It's kind of weird to think about. <laughs> Yeah, I, just yes. something, something, something I was thinking about today watching the game because man, he he shows so many flashes, and it feels like he's just missing the confidence of a coach to say you're going to play our two C slash three C. You're going to play 16 minutes. You're going to get power play, and you're going to go go play. They've never given him that. It's always been like a little jerking around, a little AHL up and down here, in an, in the lineup, out of the lineup, scratched for at the yeah. start, throws up the four against the Leafs, like. I don't know. Something's off there, but it was interesting. Ray Ferraro in one of the last regular season games between Montreal and Toronto, he was talking about Kakanyemi and how it looks like he has no confidence. And there was a play where Kakanyemi got the puck in a decent scoring area and just kind of like one foot up, like took the shot, went over the net, and like Ferraro was just like, This is just so it looks uninspired, not confident, like and this is your player that you drafted third overall over a lot of pretty darn good players that are making impacts in the league, and you're not, like, instilling that confidence yeah, to he, me. Yeah, that's what I agree. It's, it's a confidence it's thing. It's off. It's weird. I don't know. Like, he, like, the tough love has – you've tried it long enough. I, I feel like they need to do something else with him. Obviously, the Stanley Cup Finals isn't the time to start doing that, but, again, I agree, Jason. Kakanyemi is not their 13th best forward. He's better than yeah. some of these guys playing, for sure. But, anywho. Anywho. Any other thoughts on Game 3? What have you guys thought of Carey Price so far this series? A little up and down, but go ahead, Jason. I was kind of ragging on him a bit uh, today, uh, ironically, before the game, obviously. Um, and my curse my curse comes back to bite me. I was ragging on two people today specifically, talking about how Josh Anderson has less had less goals than William Nylander in the playoffs, and now he's the same amount. And I was talking about how Carey Price might be a little bit overrated, how some people were talking about maybe giving him a Vesna. I was honestly questioning his his entire body of work. Is Carey Price really as good as we think he is? Or are we just being like only focusing on where he's really good at and not really looking at his bad season? He's a good goalie. He's great, but he's I again he's proved he proved me wrong today. He's he has the ability to rise to the occasion and be the type of player goalie to win you a game and i feel like he he did that but he also a little bit of luck but he good what is it good good players create luck whatever luck is preparedness being opportunity whatever um he's good i, I don't know i don't know what else to say other than he's he's he was good <laughs> he's today and he's, he's and he's talented yeah I, I don't know I, I, I try to shit on him and it doesn't work and it's you said some things tonight when we were watching the game i was like oh you're not a price guy. But I, I, I just don't think like, okay, kind of off topic, but who's, who's had a better career? Henry, Henrik Lundqvist or, or Carey Price? I saw that on Twitter, right? Yeah. 
I voted for Carey Price, but I feel like I'm being like. That's a tough one. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm being biased to Canadian Olympic stuff too. Like you always think about that for yeah. hockey. I think I don't know why. Maybe we're just conditioned to think that way. But as a world championship, I mean, yeah. in his country, that means a, a lot. lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, and Lundqvist dragged a team to the Cup final as well. Yeah. We t- talk about like that Rangers Didn't team. Didn't they go third round the next year? The second. Yeah. Round? They had a couple really deep couple runs. Deep he runs was great. With them, yeah. But yeah, he never won a Vesna though. That's or did he win a Vesna? I'm not I sure. Think he might have won a Vesna. I can't remember though for but, sure. But also the Vesna is weird because I, I forget who I I I think it was Friedman who yeah, was quoting a GM so. or. God damn. Whatever it's it's uh, the vest is weird because it's like you're picking you're getting the GMs to vote for the goalies and the GMs are what are they they struggle so hard to find good goalies it's impo- they're impossible to find obviously everyone would but it's like a little funny that he was saying that um, that is pretty funny actually but I'll, yeah I'll say this I, I the way I remember them Lundqvist was way more consistent in yeah. his prime like Lundqvist for like I don't know may, I don't know how long it was may, five six seven eight years ish was like. St- Every year, a top five goalie in the league, pretty much, in my opinion. If Even if he wasn't the best winning the Vesna every year, he was consistently really good. Price has had way more of a roller coaster. Like, his peaks are higher, but his, like, valleys are way, way lower, in my opinion. That's on. I, I, I think that's true. That's a fair way to put it. Um, in terms of what I think Price from this series itself, I mean, I personally, maybe I'm a little bit less harsh on goalies, but I don't think he's been as bad as people have said. I know his save percentage is, what, 833 or whatever before this game. But tonight we saw Carey Price. He was awesome. Got a little bit of luck from the posts, obviously. But he was rock solid at the beginning of that overtime. I mean, that game doesn't go to overtime. I mean, that, that game doesn't go to, like, Montreal doesn't extend this series without Carey Price there. He made some great saves, especially one on Steven Stamkos. I believe there was another one right before that as well. Like, Tampa Bay is putting away the tough goals. And also, Tampa Bay is getting some pretty good bounces. If you remember, I think it was on the Matu Joseph goal or the Tyler Johnson goal where Joseph came in two-on-one, gets a good shot off from a good angle, and then what happens on that play? It hits off someone's skate and goes to an empty net. Like, oh, Carey Price has got a have that rebound. Okay, how about you don't give the Tampa Bay Lightning that much time and space with the puck and allow them to get that good of a shot off and then allow them to get the rebounds, which you've been praised on your rebound control from your defensive aspect. Like, I think Montreal's defense has been getting kind of exposed for how, how they're not the fastest, they're not the fleetest of foot. And then Carey Price is you know, being the, uh, it's the opposite of the beneficiary of it. I don't know. Have, having to carry more of the weight. Taking the grunt of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, maybe I'm also, uh, because the expect, I feel like I, I, I like to look a lot on Twitter. I like to look, I like to look a lot on Reddit and all these places. And I feel like the expectations for Carey Price before this series were like not expectations, but the performance was so high and people were praising it so much that maybe I, I was my, what I thought Carey Price should be was maybe like it took it took a shot down because of the first three games. He's he's been he was he's good. You're right. It's not like it's not like their goals that are like holy sh- crap. He should he should have had that. Like it's 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 more so the team the, the team in front of him almost. It's like Tampa Bay is really good. They have I think sixty three percent expected goals for 
in the playoffs, I have, or, or maybe goals for in the playoffs. I don't know. They score a lot of goals. They score a lot of goals, get a lot of shots. They're a good team. So Carey Price is doing good. Here's the thing, though. Like when I watch, especially tonight, like they Tampa had so many shifts, like long shifts of sustained pressure. Like if, if we had like a stat where it was like time on time on attack, kind of like an NHL the video game, mm-hmm. like Tampa was all over them. I absolutely agree. Exposing the like Montreal's D pretty much all series. Like they've had sustainable pressure nonstop pretty much throughout this series. And yeah, Carey Price has made some big saves. The numbers don't back up that he's played great. I think, I think he's letting a couple soft ones relative to what he would be expected for. But I still don't think like you're looking at this and being like, oh, it's Carey Price's fault the Habs are down 3-1. No chance. Not even close. No, not at all. I mean, there's a lot of other things that... Uh, yeah, the D have been, in my opinion, the know, biggest issue. Three goals going into game four. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, yeah, agreed. Also, the def- the defense... Sorry, yeah, yeah, just their players part, in general. Yeah, it's Sorry. 100% why they're down. Not Carey Price, but... He hasn't been spectacular, but he, he it has not been his... Yeah, it's fine. No. He's been yeah. all right. He's been all right. I'll leave it at that one. Um, all right, I think that goes through it. I mean, it's all the... What can you say in a bit of a beat-down game, game uh, game three there? Um, any other in-depth thoughts on game four you guys had? Um, just kind of more, like, I, I'm kind of just more spitting thoughts throughout the whole series. Uh, I'm just thinking about the the way, like, you were talking about sustained zone pressures. I, I hope everyone listened to the podcast, the first podcast we did, because if you're watching the games and you're, you're, you're seeing what Tampa's doing, you're seeing that they're sticking to their guns and their strategy of, Two guys kind of in front of the net, and the the that third forward up high, and they're they're. I, I think that that style of play helps them get that sustained zone pressure. There was one specific time I remember. I think it was in the third period where Eric Cernak actually pinched in to get uh, to retrieve a puck, and I for it was the Goudreau Gord uh, Coleman line. I, I can't remember if it was Goudreau or Coleman, but one of them was already high. One of them was in the corner with Cernak, and Yanni Gord actually skated by. And normally, he skated from behind the net by the player. The, the puck is in the corner. Normally, if there's two guys in the corner, the guy would probably like stay just near the dot and, and uh, kind of wait for that puck to get coughed out. And it, it he didn't do that. Gordon instead came further back and kind of sat at the top of the, the circle. And what ended up happening was uh, Montreal got possession, and they tried to go the other way, and they couldn't because there was three Tampa Bay players there, even though two of them were forwards. And they they were able to shut down any neutral zone attack that uh, Montreal tried to bring to them. Yeah, I feel like my, uh, Tampa Bay's defense is doing a great job of jumping up into the play, but the forwards are playing it responsibly and they're playing it very smart as well. Where it's not three guys flat deep and then it goes the other way. And then on top of that, Tampa Bay's forwards have been, you know, decent at covering the points there. I mean. Even when you look at the goal that was scored tonight, the McDonough to Barkley Goudreau goal, McDonough's in deep. Barkley Goudreau's kind of hovering up high, gets that open space. Bang, it's in the back of the net there. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen several, more than several goals this series from Tampa Bay D, you know, jumping up into the play like that. Um, I think at one point, didn't we almost get a headman breakaway, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, yeah. Like, no. I don't know. That's not a guy that's like, also unchar- should be going uncharacteristic unnoticed. for un- well, not, not the way that Montreal's D has played up until this point either, which is odd, right? Yeah. So pretty crazy. But I mean, again, like I've said, 
Tampa Bay's team is the uh, the finest that uh, money can buy. Yeah, I, I think going off what you said there, Josh. I think like like we said before, tradi- like Montreal is almost a d- defensively is a team that's built to beat those traditional hawk like traditional play of hockey teams with like the grindy like get in deep style of play, and they're able to sh- shut that down. And uh, Tampa Bay doesn't like they can play that way, but. They're not playing that way in uh, this series for sure, and they're they they actually one thing is uh, they they haven't dumped the puck in at all this series. They've always they were doing it a bit against the uh, New York where they had a few dump ins and like they would dump it into opposite corner to try and retrieve, and they would successfully retrieve it. It's it's not like it was something that didn't work for them before. It just seems like tactically they're just choosing not to do that, and they're trying mm-hmm. to get the zone with possession. Well, That's if you looked at when other teams have tried to do that, especially the Leafs at the end of the series, like Tam- like. We talked about against Leafs. Montreal, they would sit back so far. So they were almost invi- like they're letting you dump it in easily. Like the easy play is the dump in, right? Mm-hmm. But then their defensemen are so far back. It's just a really easy retrieval for them, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a complicated play. They're bigger guys too. They can take a forecheck. Like it's harder for them when you're coming at them with speed. You pick up possession in the zone. You start cycling the puck. That's when they really start to struggle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we'll see. I, I think they finish it to, uh, on Wednesday night in Tampa Bay. I don't know about you guys. I think so as well. I think so as well. One last thing before we get into that, I wanted to bring up. Have you noticed that Tampa Bay has been inviting the board battles a little bit less? I feel like in game one, it was heavy, heavy board battles where it's Tampa Bay's purposely throwing it along the boards and then trying to win those board battles and then create space from that. I feel like now more so they're stopping up, using their speed, stopping up, making the short little quick passes around and then creating space from that. Am I? I agree. I don't know if that's been like a conscious thing for them. I just think it's cool. Kalorn's also out. That's yeah. from when I noticed it. I think it's also just cool to watch how many different ways they can win. Yeah. Right. Like, especially in the offensive zone. So I, I, I haven't looked closely enough to see exactly that. I still feel like they're winning board battles pretty well. Yeah. But I, 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 I think would agree. I felt they like can, they can do inviting them less. Yes. Yeah, I could see yeah, that. Fair. Okay, yeah. I could see that. And and again, even if they wanted to go back to the other style next game, they could and they could win. Like this is a team that can win in so many different ways. It's just so impressive. Oh yeah, I mean, just the way they're built. It's just, <laughs> it's incredible. And I, I really, you really got to wonder how they're gonna try to keep the band back. Keep the band. They're not going to be able there. to, unfortunately. No. I have some crazy trade scenarios that we can bring up in the off season, but that's, that's for another, that's to lure, lure you guys in for the list. If you're a Tampa fan, enjoy that quote unquote energy line while you still can. Oh yeah. That's all. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Goudreau and Cole. Those guys are both for UFAs. sure. Gone. Um, Gord might be a guy that has to get traded in a cap crunch. Like, yeah, yeah. we'll see, but we don't got to get into that yet. Not yet. Enjoy it Enjoy while it. you can. Yes. Same thing with Montreal fans. So, yeah, hey, both, hey, grab that win. Have a couple beers responsibly or whatever you like to sauce Molson's. on. Water, whatever, and enjoy. I'm sure they are in, in Montreal right now. Good for them. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's been a good run. They won They won against Vegas on their on a Quebec holiday, too. That's like... That's huge, yeah. It's pretty fun. Saint-Jean-Baptiste. Like exactly, Saint-Jean-Baptiste. One, one small thing. When they... When Montreal scored, they... I don't know why, but outside didn't seem as like hyped as you think they would be after you win a game in the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't know if it feels like they're... It kind of feels like they're dead men walking. They probably or. do feel like that a bit. It's hard not to. For sure. Like, it's just, I just thought that was a little funny. It's also... It's like... 
it's like celebrating a group stage win in the Euro Cup. It's like, yeah. okay, you did it, but like we gotta win. We gotta win three in a row against Tampa here. Four yeah. in a row. Like, <laughs> we, what are we? We're celebrating, but oh god, we got a lot to do. Yeah, but. I like that jab. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, lastly, I mean, stammer check. What do you guys? Not thought? as good. Not as good. You know what? He's really become like a. Like I said it last time, he's a shot threat. Other than that, like even strength, he's not a play driver at all anymore. Like I don't know if he's a center anymore. He could still be a thirty to forty goal scorer in the league, though. No problem. Oh yeah, there's value for that. But oh, yeah. I think, I, I think it's it's not. He's had so many injuries. He's getting up there in age. His con. He's already almost done that big contract he signed, which is interesting. He's got three years left. Really? I think. Yeah. Three. Oh, three years is still. Well, after- you're on the you're at the end of that. Yeah. Right, when you're th- there's five of th- five of eight down, right? That's I'm taking in terms of like even the movability of a mm-hmm. contract like that. That's true. Do you think maybe they uh, Kucherov him this year? <laughs> they could, like, they easily could. He's like he's someone who has like maybe who knows maybe he needs so, a surgery. I think he wants to play in the Olympics. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Wow, that's I never, I honestly never player. considered that for because he, mi- he missed it because of yeah. the injury last. Yeah, yeah. and he got boned the the, the, the yeah, first time exactly. when he should have been picked, but he didn't. And, yeah, because yeah, whatever. That's politics. Whatever. Um, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, I think uh, we've nailed everything with games three and four. Uh, you were saying, do you think they close it out Wednesday game? I five? really do. I really do. I I I. I would be surprised if they didn't win that game, but we'll see what happens. I'm sure Montreal will come out hot too, but I really think Tampa's going to win on home ice there. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Like right if now. you talk about like the intangible stuff, like they won in an empty building last year, right? The opportunity to you know, it's almost like you're combining two cups into one on home ice if you win. Isn't it, it like hurricane season? And nah, they don't care. There, there was a storm surge in Tampa Bay area, <laughs> like an actual today. storm, like. Yeah. like yeah, Chris CJ tweeted that. that yeah, that's what I, I mean. Like but not the Carolina hurricane no. storm. No, no, like a legit storm <laughs> warning. <laughs> well, I mean, based on what the Carolina Hurricanes Twitter account did last year, I wouldn't be surprised if they were, you know, in Tampa Bay doing a storm surge. Yeah, I know. <laughs> stupid, annoying account. But it is what it is. Uh, I think we've nailed all of that. We're gonna be moving on. Uh, before we do, I, I mean, bef- like there were some. Tr- Tragic news that hit the hockey world today. Uh, Latvian goaltender Matis Kivlenieks, I hope I pronounced that somewhat right. Um, he was on the Columbus Blue Jackets this past year. Terrible, terrible uh, fireworks incident that occurred, and it took his life yesterday. Uh, just the the amount of tributes that poured in from his teammates and everything just were extremely touching uh this was a this was a tough one to read read about i mean this was a very very sad incident that occurred uh former blue jackets captain nick felino um had this to say about him one thing i loved and appreciated about him was he had a great smile and always was in a good mood I know it's cliche, but that's exactly exactly the kind of guy he was. Just enjoying his life as a 24-year-old living out his dream. And you could tell he didn't take one day for granted, which makes this tragedy even more hard to bear. Praying for his family and all of us who knew him. Hard day for a lot of people in that organization. Yeah, very sad. Like, Obviously, just a tragic accident. 
You know, I hate people seeing people on Twitter like speculate. Like, leave that all alone. It's just really sad. Saw David Savard. He looked a little choked up when they did the tribute in uh, Montreal to him tonight. Obviously, former teammate. So just really sad. Heart goes out to his family and mm. and friends. It's sad. There was a bar in Columbus where they always watch the the Jackets game, and they did an eighty second tribute for his number eighty. Good there, man. that's nice. So, I like that. I mean, yeah, terrible tragedy. Terrible. But, yeah, another uh, – wanted to bring that up real quick mm-hmm. uh, on here. Um, in other news here, we got uh, Victor Arvidsson was traded July 1st. Uh, Nashville to uh, – Na- Nashville moved him to Los Angeles for a second and a third-round pick. A lot of people speculating possibly it was for, uh, you know, protection from Seattle expansion draft. Maybe a little bit of cap maneuvering. What were your guys' thoughts on this trade? I was honestly shocked a bit just because if uh, I saw a lot of people talking about the expansion uh, draft is the reason why they might do this. But if you look at uh, if you look at uh, the National Predators, like I. I would think even if you're going four and four, Arvidsson is the type of guy is the player like is that one of those four players who you'd keep? Like if they're, I I don't even know if I would keep four forwards on their team. They have some pretty brutal contracts that like if I were them, I would want to get rid of. Let me just pull them up quickly. Sorry, but with those a lot of those players, you have to because of the no movement trade. No, um, I they're don't. No I I don't no, think of any have of them it. have a no move. No, none of them have a no movement. The only guy that does is Yossi. So that's why. It's, like Jason's saying, the expansion excuse makes no sense to me. Yeah. So, so of of the forwards who you have to protect here, or sorry, not have to, but are able to protect. Tell me which ones you would want to protect if you're the uh, if you're the National Predators. So you have Matthew Shane making eight mil for the next one, two, three, four, five I would years. Pray that and how many how many points did Matthew Shane put up just for context? I think I think less, less, yeah, something like that. He was terrible. This he was year. horrible. Go on. Ryan Johansson, eight million, four years left. 13. He had 13 points this year, Matt. Uh, so, Philip Forsberg, 6 mil, one year left. This is probably the only guy I would keep. Colton Sissons, 2.857. I wouldn't keep him. For four four years left, maybe you keep him. I honestly, I can't really speak too much. I, I don't know I how good Colton that. You Sissons signed him for is. A, a bottom sixer for five years. Yeah. Whatever. Like, they uh, signed him for seven. Yeah, the so. original contract was seven. Luke Kunin, yeah, 2.3. Yep, they're keeping sure. him. Okay, so they, they're, they're keeping him for sure. That's a good... Okay, so Rocco Grimaldi, two mil, one year left. No. Uh, Cal Yarncrook, two mil, one year left. He's like kind Don't of a... Bottom. To. It's like, yeah, a toss-up guy. Nick Cousins, one and a half, one year left. Uh, Yakov Trenin, 725, one year left. I think you have to keep him. I think he's yeah. not eligible. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. And then UFAs, you have Granlund. Does Eli Tolvanen have no, to be? No, he's not. According, uh, Eli, yeah, Eli Tolvanen is not. The, he's not eligible to be picked. I yeah. did a little bit of research. According to what I read, it's Trenin, Tolvanen, and Matthew Oliver all don't have to be Yeah. So protected. even if you protect four forwards, or sorry, four D and four forwards, we kind of only pick two of four unless you're going to both re-sign Mikhail Granlin and Eric Halla and then protect them before the expansion draft. When in reality, you, most teams in that situation where they have a UFA, probably have like a little handshake deal under the table, wait till after the expansion draft, then sign the player. Like that didn't really make sense. This trade didn't really make too much sense to me from that uh, point of view. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, if I was Tam or if I was Nashville, 
But here's the thing. So if I was Nashville and I was trying to keep a competitive team, I would have protected Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, Luke Coonan, and Victor Arvidsson. I would have prayed they took Matt Duchesne. If they didn't and they take Yarncroft or Grimaldi or Sissons, I would pray they took Sissons over those guys. But, okay, no problem. We have some new cap space to work with this summer. Where there's a lot of good of those types of players. And then I would have just protected the 4D. But I don't know if they want to win. They might be they might be on a, on the verge of a little bit of a tank here because that trade made no sense if you're trying to win. I'm sorry. Victor Arvidsson also, I see a lot of people being like, oh, he didn't score only at 25 points this year. He shot 6% this year. Six. He's a career shooting percentage before this season of over 12%. Two years ago, we had 34 goals in 58 games. He was almost on a 50-goal pace. Like the year before that, he got hurt. So his numbers are a little down, but he still had... 15 goals in 57 games. Also, another thing about him, he scores a ton at even strength. A ton. I'll give it to you. 16, 17, 22 at even strength. 17, 18, 23 at even strength. 18, 19, 29 even strength goals in 58 games. That's crazy. That's Austin Matthews numbers. Yeah. Like this guy is a legit five-on-five goal scorer. This is something that every single team could put right into their uh, top six, probably second line, but maybe even first line, and he would be a uh, like a legitimately competitive good player on any team in the league it's a really good player and it's a really good get for la i agree with that one um when you're looking at you said you would protect ryan johansson i mean that guy has stunk the last couple of years he shot he had seven goals this year and shot 10 percent 10.4 percent i just think he has 22 points in 48 games him and matt duchene combined for a 60 million dollar cap hit they had a combined 35 points this year combined 35 points my only thing with him is I eight mil i feel like he's a little bit of a better play driver and in their system right he's kind of just like their their centerman type like that's Mm -hmm. he and he's been there already like duchene just has never felt like the right fit no so that's that's why i if you you're telling me you know we're gonna protect cali yarncrock and try to flip him for a second or a third of the deadline and protect and Exposed Johansson and Duchesne. I have no problem with that either. I have no problem with that. Yeah. I would just really hope they took Matt Duchesne. Like, I'd be praying they take Matt Duchesne. Oh, 100%. That, that contract is just brutal right it's now. Tough, yeah. It's killing them. But on top of that, I mean, I like what you said regarding Victor Arvidsson. I think he's a fantastic player. That's like a just a no-brainer, I think, for L.A. Oh, there. yeah. You can't have another year of you finishing in last place and just getting your head caved in. It's really not good for the development of your younger players. You have to roster at least a semi-competitive team. And when you're getting a guy like Victor Arvidsson, who has scored 30-plus goals before in the league, can score at 5-on-5 five five as well, to play top line, sure, and to put a little bit more competitiveness into your team, I feel like it's a no-brainer for LA. There. A second and a third, like it's it's LA's second already. And a third. It's LA's nothing. already acquired a lot of picks and other trades, trading guys off. Like people are like, LA's not trying to compete right now. Jason can show you. Go look at their division. They can make the playoffs next year. Yeah. Go look. Go look at the division. Isn't Anaheim's in that division? San Jose. San Jose's in that division. The three Canadian teams: Edmonton. Uh, Calgary and Vancouver, who Calgary and Vancouver did not look to. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 by far the weakest division. And another small thing, even if the LA Kings don't compete this year or next year, 
I I'm almost convinced you can get Victor. You could trade Victor Arvidsson at the deadline for a first plus. Hundred percent. Like without no, a doubt in my mind. Plus, but you could trade him for a first. I, round. If you retain any money on this deal, you could get a, you could get a lot of well, a lot for him. He's only making four point two five million dollars right now. If you retain a million dollars, you're gonna get three million dollars for basically a thirty goal score. That's that's yeah, pretty. Played, that's pretty. He only good played sixteen thirty six last year. I mean, you play him up to nineteen, you pump those numbers up a little bit. Like this is yeah, like this is the type of player who I'd want the Leafs to sign in the offseason honestly yeah like, that would have been a fantastic so, so like a left winger who can play on the top line who can score goals mm-hmm. like that's kind of the prototype what's his, what's his cap hit for next year who four two five uh, Ar- yeah four two five that's the for the next three years and so he's, he's he's 28 right yeah. now so he's 28 so this is like the typical age of a lot of the free agents that are out there that's right perfect. now perfect he's at 4.25 for three years there's going to be worse players as unrestricted free agents that are going to get way more money in longer term yeah. than that current Arvidsson deal. Yeah, for sure. Wow. For sure. Yeah. So I, I think it was a big, big win for LA. Not so big win, a big loss for... Uh, I did think it was interesting what you were saying regarding does is Nashville doing this to stay competitive so they can protect all their good players and roster competitive team for next year, but then you brought up does Nashville really want to win next mm-hmm. year? And when you think about it, before the trade deadline, they were supposed to be sellers. The yeah. Leafs were supposed to be in on Mikel Granlin. They were supposed to be trading Mac- Matthias Ekholm as well. Those were supposed to be two big pieces that were gone. The GM, D- Dave Poyle, even said everyone, I think, except for Philip Forsberg, or maybe no, he even said, said except said, for Roman Yossi. Except for, exactly, is on the table for, to be traded. And then they got hot, and then they ended up making the playoffs. They gave Carolina a run for their money there. Mm, UC Saros was fantastic. They made it to six, a few overtime games in there as well. Oh, yeah, they did get caved in in terms of expected goals. I forgot about that part. But, you know, not bad. Carolina finished first in the division. They, I, I think they gave them a decent fight at least, right? So maybe we do start to see Nashville selling off some more players. Not now, but probably at the deadline. I don't know about the competitiveness of that team next year. I haven't taken a deep dive, but just the, their inability to score also really kills them, and losing one of their best goal scorers at five-on-five, five, that'll help you. The, the lucky thing for them is go look at the Western Conference next year for the NHL. It is significantly worse than the Eastern Conference. Like, it is way, way worse. I'm going to go down the Pacific Division, okay? So we're taught, you know, Los Angeles, right? Like, they got Arvidsson. Okay, he's not a massive pickup. He's a big pickup, though. Does that help them? Here, who's in that? Here's who's in that division. Okay, ready? We got Vegas, legit good team. The Edmonton Oilers, pretty good. Should be a playoff team, but like obviously weren't great. Mm-hmm. Vancouver Canucks, and we'll see. Calgary Flames could be massive sellers this summer. We could have a completely different we'll team. See. The Anaheim Ducks, no, not good. The San Jose Sharks, uh, not good. The Seattle Kraken, we'll TBA. see. Maybe TBA. Exactly. And then and then Los Angeles. I mean, it's it's not a good conference. And the other division is St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, Nashville, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Chicago, Arizona. It's not, yeah, bad. Not, it's not bad. But then you go look at the East. Like East is significantly stronger. Yeah. 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 And the the only thing that occurred to me right now that maybe I could see where like if 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 it wasn't for tanking and it wasn't for the expansion draft, the only other reason could be to create cap space to sign other guys. But I just don't. It just they have, what is it, $22 million in cap space next year. They have to sign UC Saros, and they need another Ooh. backup goalie. They have to re-sign Dante Fabro. Uh, and then Matthew Olivier, Ilya Tol- Tol- 
Tol Tolvanen, Halla, yeah. and Granlund are their only other. So th those are a couple of players, but it's like if that's the reason why to create cap space, you traded the wrong guy by far. Yeah, I there's other guys making worse deals who you could have gotten rid of probably to another team who is isn't like isn't cap like as restricted with the cap, and and you could have. Uh, yeah, you couldn't. This, have this might be ones where player. we'll have to see what happens in the expansion draft, yeah. and we'll have to see what happens in free agency. Then we may look at it differently. But like yeah. just looking at it as the way it is now, it just seemed like an odd trade. Yeah, of course. And and it's yeah, it's it's, it's almost like a move that screams like like not screams, but there's almost like a, a lack of of vision from the front office there in, in Nashville because I understand that they made the playoffs this year, and that's always good to make the playoffs. But it's like if you're going to be sellers that close to the deadline and then not sell make the playoffs and then immediately in the off season, turn around and trade one of your best players. I think that's like a lack of vision from the organization. That's uh, maybe it's, it, there is vision, but we just don't, don't know, know which it. that's direction. true. Yes. Exactly. Yes. It's yes. tipping towards. Yes. But hopefully it, they know which direction that, that's true. Cause like uh, well, the reason why I say lack of vision is cause they, it's two contradicting moves, not trading anyone at the trade deadline. And I, I guess they really didn't. Well, the only, only thing Grandland. is they, they, yeah, they didn't really have any like at, massive at home, expiring. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. At home is on another year. So, um, yeah. Uh, another small thing I, I, I want to just bring up is how good would L.A. be if they chose to move on from Jonathan Quick and Drew Doughty when they those guys were free agents and they kept Alec Martinez and Jake Muzzin and Tyler Toffoli and like they'd, they'd be a, a, a pretty good team on the verge of competing right now. Uh, I, I do have to look it up in terms of like what was Jonathan Quick's numbers and what were Drew Doughty's numbers when they were expiring versus... Oh, this is obviously... Hindsight. I'm a hindsight hero right yeah, now. I'm not saying hindsight. that I, if I was the GM, I would have done this, this, and this. No, but it's just kind of funny to look at that they traded away basically Alec Martinez and uh, Jake Muzzin because they weren't going to be able to resign them because they had Drew Doughty making $11 million. Both those players are probably better than Drew Doughty. Yeah, there's and probably it, somebody on Long Island saying, yeah, exactly. That's what we did with Taveras and look at us now. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, but... Yeah, Jonathan Quick signed July 1st, 2012, and he was coming off of his best NHL season by a mile. So how? And then after that, he put up one of his worst NHL seasons at 902. Wait, how is he not an exp – is he not – is he a UFA this year? No. Oh, my God, Jonathan he signed Quick? a 10 – uh, oh, pre-lockout. Yeah, pre-lockout, okay. Uh, yeah, so that, okay, I missed that. Yeah. But even still, you don't even have to trade – I'd say that Jonathan Quick contract's not bad. It's I'm not bad at it. all. It's not bad. I, I thought it was a lot worse. I, I would misunderstand. But it's just the – the Drew Doughty contract that was signed in 2018, the year before, basically the year that they did terribly. Um, the Jonathan yeah. Quick contract looks tough when you look at it in the, from the fact of 18, 19, 19, 20, 20, 21, and the fact that his other his goaltending partners making significantly less than him did outplay him. Like Cal yeah. Patterson was the starting goalie. I yeah, think he is this their year. He's the starting goalie. Nine starter. eleven save percentage this year versus Jonathan Quick's eight ninety eight. And again, being hindsight here. And then on top of that, Jack Campbell, yeah. who's making yeah. one and exactly. a half coming up from the minors. Like exactly. at one point, I'm pretty sure, I'm fairly sure Jonathan Quick got injured. They were rolling Jack Campbell and Cal Peterson. Mm -hmm. Cal Peterson, sorry. And just the, the goaltending numbers were pretty pretty solid. And then like not to toot my own heart, I was I did say, you know, like podcast episode in my basement by myself, not that many listeners. But I was like, I, I do wonder if maybe they'll at least take a look at like the, the L.A. situation. They do have Peterson and uh, Campbell. They're going to have to move one of them because they're not going to be able to move quick. So 
You're right. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I don't know what episode I said that. But but the other thing about Dowdy is there was like rumors that he wasn't going to go back. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just offered him a massive deal. He's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) They threw the bag at him. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's having a tough go around there. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. A little bit of a philosophy for a GM, pay your stars, but not, not don't pay them for what they did, pay them what, for what they're going to do. Yeah, it's true. Hopefully. But Seems easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I mean, when a guy, when these, we're when, boiling it down. Yeah. When a set of players wins you two Stanley Cups, it's tough not to oh, yeah. reward them and, and think that, you know, they're going to be on the decline, but not that heavily because some of these guys just jumped off a cliff oh, yeah. in terms of their production. And the only reason why I'm crapping on Drew Dowdy is because the stuff he said about the lease. We all know it was you, Drew. You don't have to hide anymore. He also just came. Also, there's been interviews where he just came out and said, like, the Leafs suck at yeah. this, <laughs> Leafs, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He loves the Leafs. He grew up a Leafs fan. I mean, the they, like, the the Kings don't get that much attention. When yeah. he comes to Toronto and they stick a mic in his face, of course this guy's going to run his mouth about the Leafs. <laughs> He's just jealous. Yeah. It's like Olga from uh, Hey Arnold. Like <laughs> Drew Doughty does have a closet in his house with a, a shrine of the Leafs. Just maybe one day. <laughs> I want to see that edited, like a picture of that. <laughs> just Drew Doughty opening up the closet and just Leafs pictures everywhere. Matthews Marner drawn across the room. I love it. <laughs> a statue of Matt Sundin. I love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Someone do that on Twitter. <laughs> Why don't you? You, you I should do it. Yeah, I should do that. Sorry. Get on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> another one. We got the, the Yoel Erickson X signing. Uh, I mean, he came out big this season. He, did. he got a lot of Selkie love. Deservedly what so. Think, what do you guys think of that yeah, one? Yeah, he's a, he's a really good player. It's one of those, not a tough contract, but people will see and be like, wait, who just signed for eight years if you're not really following, obviously? Let's use a first round pick and he's a really good play driver, right? So the points numbers, don't look at the points numbers. Like he's not going to put up 70 points for you. He's just not. He, if he does, then we're talking, this is a steel contract, yeah. but we're talking about a second line defensive oriented center. You know, think remember Sean Couturier before he blew up with points. That's kind of what this reminded me of. Like Sean Couturier signed like a six year, four and a half ish deal. Similar cap percentage as this deal for Joel Erickson Eck. And like, if he just stays as the defensive stopper, gets Selkie votes, like Philip Deneau type, for example, like it's not a bad contract. Mm-hmm. If he starts to put up a lot of points, it's a good value. So like I think the upside definitely outweighs the downside. The only worry for me is like eight years for a guy who plays a lot of tough minutes. Like I assume those last two years are probably bad. But again, we say this all the time. Anytime you sign a free agent to a long-term deal, pretty much. Yeah. Even though this is an RFA, he's an older RFA, right? He's 24 years old. So you know, 32 by the time of the end of the contract. But I, I don't think this contract kills you in any any way, shape, or form. So all. I mean, when you look at it, his relative course, he was, his relative possession was a positive 2.3, and he started 43.1% of his plays in the offensive zone. Like, to me, it just shows good possession, good possession relative to the rest of his team being played more so in the defensive end. Is there any worry his PDO, so his on-ice shooting percentage plus his on-ice save percentage um, being 103.5, as well as his shooting percentage going up from, why did this number move away from me? Going up from 7.8% to 16%. He, now that you mention it, yes, but also he was, he's now, he I believe he played with Fiala and uh, um, 
Kirill Kaprizov, right? Or was it just Kaprizov and Greenwood? I'm not too sure, but that I, would do it. I, I I know he's he's was playing with one of Fialov or Kaprizov, which could help explain those increase in numbers. Okay. Um, but the PDO is a little bit worrisome. But again, like you're not you're not paying him to score sixty points in a year, seventy points in a year. You're paying him to be a, a good two way player, uh, an elite defensive player. Don't with some offense. With some obviously. offense, he's almost like a a, a younger. More offensively skilled, Philip to know. I just said that. Did you say that? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it's all good. Pulling up the charts. It's I, was all pulling, good. I was pulling up the charts. <laughs> I knew you were about really? to say it. Too. I'm like, is this guy gonna say exactly what I just said? Holy we're smokes! Really hammering home. It's, Younger, it's late, more guys. skilled, Philip to know. Yeah. So that that's honestly, I feel like that's the best way to to put it. He, and like, uh, it's good good work for Minnesota the way they structured this deal because I know you were you were saying that he was. I'm, I'm not gonna repeat what you said, but you were saying. That the last two years, he's going to be, what, 31, 32, maybe not producing as much offense. Historically, players produce their most amount of offense between 26, 28, and they start to decline after that. So they're ma- he's only making $4.5 million uh, in this in his second last year and $3 million in his last year. So it, what should be $10.5 $10, million in the last few years of uh, cap dollars, he's only making uh, $7.5 million actual dollars. So a team like that doesn't that wants to be like wants to increase their cap, but not actually pl- pay out the player player. Uh, Ottawa Senators. Yeah, they yeah. front loaded. They front loaded the deal. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't. They actually mid loaded it. Mid loaded. Okay. Three million. Which free, which the players want because of the current cap slash yeah, escrow situation. Sense. Yes, and the, because there also might be I think a lockout in the twenty six twenty seven. Those are like potentially yeah, lockout years or something, there, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's like a, it's, it's a movable deal at 31, 32, where if he does like where, where if he ends up becoming like a, a, a Riley Nash type where he's like kind of just not really useful in any role other than a third line Barry. Okay. I'm not, I, I feel like you guys are mentioning 32 of it's as if it's like 46 yeah, it's years not old. That it's old. not that old. It's not that old. It's not that old, but, uh, for someone who, yeah, he just, uh, uh, yeah, he's, also, so like, old, not to nitpick your point, but like seven and a half actual dollars versus ten cap dollars is not a big discount. Like that's not a huge difference. It's a discount, though. It's a discount. The it's best way to discount. summarize him for me is like he's a really good play driver. So like his fancy stats are really good. Will his will he become a great player? I don't know. Like I don't think so. I think I think he's probably always going to stay a good player. Mm-hmm. If he becomes a great player, great. But he's always going to be a solid addition to your lineup. Yeah. So. yeah. He's kind of like a younger, more skilled Philip to know. <laughs> like, if we want to pull up Get some stats, there. like, in terms of percentiles, like, use Dom's numbers. He's 87th percentile in terms of offensive play driving, 98th percentile in terms of defensive play driving, with the 92 percentile difficulty of minutes. Go to J Fresh. If you don't like Dom, you J Fresh, another good guy we use. 92 percentile in offensive play driving, 97th percentile in defensive play driving. Playing against 93rd percentile quality of competition. Like, it's a good... Pretty good numbers. The only problem, again, like you pointed out, Joe, which is a great point, shooting percentage ballooned up this year. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like that next year. He's not a 30-goal scorer. No. Pencil him in 15 goals, 25 assists, 40-ish points. Again, pre-offensive boon, Sean Couturier is like what I really think he is. And the contract's not going to kill you, and he's going to be a good player. Yeah. The only thing I'm, I'm worried about now if, if I'm uh, uh, Minnesota is trying to lock up Kirill Kaprizov. And what, what's Kev- going on with Kaprizov? Kevin Fiala to, to, those, to like – just try and get but another the most recent the most recent news on Kaprizov is that the KHL is really trying to pull him back right for the Olympics especially yeah, yeah. I mean it's Russia that'd be a huge loss for Minnesota that'd be crazy oh that'd, could do it. 
That would be a huge loss. That's their star player, honestly. The other yeah. thing quick to mention for Minnesota, they signed Nick Butestad to like 900K for one year. So Another, and I, I, I think they don't even care about signing players because I think they already know they're going to lose one of four defensemen. Or sorry, one of their five. I, I, who, who are they going to lose in the expansion draft? We can discuss that. We can discuss that later. Yeah, that's time. that's for another episode. But for sure. They got a they got a good team, so it'll be interesting. What kind of player do you think Minnesota needs to add become to become that next level team? Because it looks like right now, from what I'm seeing, a lot of good defensive players they got there. Marcus Felino, as we mentioned, Yoel Eriksson Eck, he's like a young Philip the No more skilled. <laughs> um on top of that, there was one other guy that's ex- escaping me. Uh Nick Benino, pretty good defensive forward as well there. Unrestricted free agent though. Oh, well, that's that's a tough one there. But I think they'll <laughs> definitely want to sign him. He's from Minnesota, right? Yeah. Mm, that's true too. And but he was really good for them. So Marcus, like, was Marcus Johansson good for them this year? He's okay. I don't. He's a center, and that's why he's not an asset. Depth guy. Depth but guy. Um, so he played almost sixteen minutes. So for them to, to no piggyback idea. off your point, number one, lock up Kevin Fiala. Ideally, if you can get him on like a six, seven year at like five ish, lock him up right away. Yep. He hasn't had that balloon offensive year this year because it this was this year, but because of COVID and stuff, he's a he's their best non Kaprizov offensive player. And honestly, if you twist my arm and told me next year Fiala is better than Kaprizov, I'm not surprised. I think he's a really good player. I think. You get him for – I think he's a Nylander-level player, in my opinion. Wow. So he's a really good player. I think they need to add, add another higher-skilled offensive guy. Again, it, it seems like they like their center dis- distribution. Ideally, I would like a little more offensive-oriented center on that roster. But they locked up Zuccarello. You could move him to the wing. Again, you signed Joel Eriksson Ek now. Mm-hmm. You want to resign Nick Benino, like Nick Bustad, Victor Ras plays little center. Like I'd try to get a center if you could. It's not those guys aren't built, aren't don't grow on trees. So I'd look at that middle six winger depth again. Just add another good defensively sound uh, Brandon Sod. You put him on Minnesota, he'd be great. Like how about a guy who's been down and out these past couple of weeks, Thomas? Yeah, that would be good too. I would that would be good. That'd be, an, that'd be uh, yeah, I, I agree. That'd be a great one. I, I still think they need to sign their good players. I, oh, I don't yeah, think sure, I, sure. I, I, I wouldn't be going in on like a older mm-hmm. grit type guy, though. I think on top of that, they got Marco Rossi coming, yeah. too. Yeah, Is that's he, a great player. So I, I try to stay as like kind of I wouldn't mm-hmm. cap out per se if I was in, try to have a little flexibility, kind of be don't ball out on a free exactly. Agent, and then we'll see much. what happens next year because the problem is they still got to pay Parisi for three more, four more years. Mm-hmm. Suter at least can still play like. We'll see. Expansion is going to make it a big difference for them. They should yeah. really try to deal Dumba if they can, but we'll see. I like their top two uh, prospects they got here too. I mean, before the the new management regime came in, that Philip Johansson pick was just an absolute joke. Picking yeah. him before Rasmus Sandin, I don't know what the heck you're doing there. But um, I mean, the last two Marco Rossi's a home Matthew Boldy oh, and Boldy Marco too. Rossi. Yep. Marco Rossi, thank God he's okay. He had some terrible COVID issues he this did, year, yeah. but. Him and Matthew Boldy. Matthew Boldy is like a, a younger, more mobile James Van Riemsdyk thing. Very yeah. good hands, great finisher. Um, and then Marco Rossi is an electric player there. You add those two in in a couple of years. I mean, and on top of locking up, as you mentioned, all those younger players, and then you add that one more little piece in there, I think I think you got a baller team in Minnesota. I do. They they remind me a lot of Montreal when I look at their build, honestly. like Better than 
Montreal. Yeah, I think, I think a bit better. Yeah, I actually, yeah. I actually want and to watch Minnesota. I know. I'm just saying, but like, if you want to, if you want to, because I feel like the way we're talking makes seem like they're one of those like half in, half out teams, which I don't. Th- I think they're pretty in. They're right in. I think yeah. they're half in, but they're almost all the way, like Correct. on like, the way up. Yeah, the trajectory is on the way a, up. They, for sure. they have some good guys signed. They have young players that they'll probably lock up again. Just get Capers on Fiala sign, and we're just we're rolling from there. Yeah, I think their their only thing is like. Is Camp Talbot going to be their goalie going forward? Is he? Do we think that he's a, a starter? Is well, they he... have him and Ka- Kakinen both locked up. Yeah. I think combined oh, like yeah, under Kakenen, five yes. mil. Yeah, yeah, they have sorry, a great sorry. goaltending yeah, situation too, right? So. Forgot about that guy. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Good. An good interesting little... Minnesota Wild t- uh, tangent that we went on. First, there. first the Nashville Predators, then a, a Nashville's hind- on the way down. <laughs> Minnesota's on, on the, the way, way up. up. I'm yeah. telling you that much. Oh yeah. Um, Stonks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, the other thing I wanted to get into was a little bit of rat race, a different sort of less yes and no this year, this time around a little bit more actual answers, but to make them a little bit, got to be, make them quick or they're not, um, right. They're not Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so first one inspired by David, uh, July 5th being the anniversary of David Clarkson signing with the Leafs. Worst Leafs free agent signing off the top of your head? David Clarkson. That finger. <laughs> Ooh, that's not a bad one. And Mike Commissarek was mine. Okay, yeah. It's just the fi- the story behind fingers for those. Like, I, think, oh, I, feel, I feel like we brought it up before on the podcast, but yeah, it's, go, go, go look it up if you Who haven't. Who was the defenseman they thought he was? I, I have no Cliff idea. Cliff Fletcher was like 90 yeah. years old at yeah. the time. So I wouldn't be surprised. Sure, that's yeah. the old boys club that runs the NHL. Is oh, Clarkson yeah. an unfair answer? Because that's the first one that, ta- that pops into my head. Uh, you have one more? If they sign Felino to a big contract. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're not going to sign him to a big contract. Um, we got some good comments in here. A lot of people just said, it's David Clarkson. You can't find a worse one. Yeah, I mean, A um, couple people mentioned some trades, which a little off topic. One guy was saying, Phil Kessel's eight-year deal simply because they agreed to retain it. That's but it wasn't for a bad another. Deal. Yeah, it's, not a, it's not terrible. Eight by eight for he, your halfway top through, he was sniper. getting ninety points on yeah. Pittsburgh. Like and it's he, not. He should have won the the. Uh, I agree, yeah. but it's a tough contract look for the Leafs when you're paying a guy to not play for your team and you're yeah. in a cap. Sure, I, by that by that perspective, a little bit of revisionist yeah. history, but, but like, like also, blame I thought it, it was on, an interesting point of view. If we have to summon the blame for that, blame it onto the the back to back GM of the year, Lou Lamorello, who cool. retained that contract. So, not bad. Um, <laughs> Hard nosed GM. Yeah, Clark, Plumbing Ontario twenty four said Clark's in the worst without a doubt. So bad they had to trade him for someone who would never play hockey <laughs> ever again. Well, then he proceeded um, to never play hockey ever again after I, that. I got an interesting players. one that I didn't think it was bad, but it ended up being bad again, partially due to Lou Lamorello again. Patrick Marlowe. What about David one. Boland? They traded for him. Ah, yeah, shoot, yeah. yeah. Also, he he got injured, and he would, he wasn't that that bad for the Leafs. The problem, the problem with Marlowe is a lot of people said it too. It's like it was ex- I was really excited when they signed him. That first year, I thought he was really good for us. Yeah. Like second year, tailed off. Then like the third year, he was not playable. My thing was first. first year, he was a product of Mitch Marner. I found yeah. decent ad. Who? <laughs> that guy that everyone wants to trade. Um. I thought he was a decent ad, like good. He was on the third line. He put up twenty goals, but mainly the the start of the year he was not putting up very good numbers. It was only until they put Mitch Marner with him and Kadri that they both started putting up good numbers. 
Um, on top of that, the, the funny thing about that Marlowe contract that you mentioned, a lot of people were saying it's very front-loaded. The third year, because because it was everyone was saying, why, two, why three years, not two? Well, we don't get to... M- put the number down for the player kind of thing. If you want, want if we want to sign the six, um, if we wanted to sign him to two years, it would have been closer to seven and a half per for a guy that was 38 years old at the time. So you gave him three years and the logic behind it, where everyone was defending it was saying you front loaded. The last year was like 1 million real salary for a $6 million cap hit player. You just trade him to Ottawa Senators, Arizona Coyotes, Florida Panthers, someone that was trying to get up to the cap floor, and an easy deal. You get the two good years out of them. You get the cap space out of the way. But obviously, the issue you run into is the player did not want to be traded anywhere. <laughs> he said San Jose or bust. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, that did not end up well. Another, no. I have a couple other ones. I know it was a rat race, but these will be good memories oh, yeah. for Leaf fans. Well, just remember you blanked on the, the original answer. No, I said David Clarkson. 2011, Tim Connolly, if anyone remembers that one. Ooh. That was the summer where Burke was absolutely horny to get a centerman for us. There's a lot of guys on the market that year. We Brad had Richards. They chased Brad, Brad Richards, Richards, Joe Thornton, Chris Drury, Patrice Bergeron. That was a, not a real thing, though. Um, so, like, there's a lot of good free agent, you know, opportunities there. And we ended up with Tim do you know what happened, Connelly. though, like why we ended up with Tim Connolly? Explain it to me. So the Leafs chased after Brad Richards hard. hard. And the reason that uh, Brian Burke didn't pull the trigger on it was he said he was like, I remember him saying this. Oh, Brad Richards wanted that front-loaded deal, the extended length. We didn't want to do that deal. I think those deals are ridiculous. Like That's why we didn't end up signing him. And New York ended up getting him. And now New York needs to pay him until like 2025. Yeah, so. Wow. And they needed to use a compliance buyout on him, and he didn't perform somehow in the cup runs. And my other one Crazy. would be, I mean, Robida. Ro- like, the invention of the term Robida Island, just for sentimental reasons, the amount of times that's been oh, used. God. Like, that that's another funny one. one. Declan but. Sweeney brought up uh, the Raycroft trade. Yeah. But that's a trade. I mean, yeah. It's a different category. It's still bad. Yeah. But. yeah. The, the bad trades are probably worse than the bad trades. Oh, yeah. You could so. find a lot of One bad One pretty trades. funny comment we also got was from Curtis, Curtis Doherty Art said, as much as numbers are a factor, no one can ever be as bad of value as Aki Berg. Oh, <laughs> come on. I like wow. that. I thought that fair. one was really funny. Fair. Very fair. Um, JMC, the director, said the way Marner performed in the playoffs, who knows, maybe his will someday be with a worse contract. No. <laughs> That's what I give that. <laughs> um, Dave Carl, 70, said any other answer than Clarkson is wrong. That was an effing train wreck, <laughs> but he, he makes 30-something mil off of it, so I'm sure he's thrilled. <laughs> thought those were pretty funny. But thank you to everyone that commented. There are solid comments in there. Um, but, yeah, that's all I got. Oh, my! sorry, I did one other question. Yeah, we got a wrap. Um, to wrap it up, one word that would uh, – one word that the big J's are going to use to describe Montreal's effort tonight. Gutsy. Gritty. Gritty, yeah, I don't know. You, you, you took it from me. Um, spirited. Sp- yeah. It was a 
a hearty word. effort. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really good with the one words. I'm trying to think of like a French word to use. They love doing that. Eh? Like gagnon. Yeah. Gagnon. <laughs> yeah, gagnon. I don't know. All to describe an effort where you got your faces caved in in terms of chances and Tampa Bay hit three posts. So, congratulations. Only thing I'll give to them, they killed off that three-minute penalty before yeah, they, in overtime. They did a good job of that. Kudos. Mm-hmm. I still... Yeah. Still not going to say something nice about Josh Anderson, though. That, Anyways, that pretty much wraps up everything I got. You guys got any closing thoughts? I had a rat race question, but I I, I forgot about it. So Wow. <laughs> All right. I honestly shouldn't even have said that. You didn't even bring the pen and paper. This I time. forgot I the pen and paper. That was the biggest mistake. Is Zach Hyman going to be a Leaf? Yes or no? I'm just kidding. No. no. All right. Gone. Goalies uh, go. Goalies go. Goalies go.